Welcome to the No Proscenium Review Crew. This is episode 37, and I'll be your host, Patrick McLean, the Chicago curator, filling in for Kevin Gossett, who is away on assignment uh, at Baseball Fantasy Camp. Uh, that's a totally real thing. I'm not making that up off the top of my head. Uh, so I'll be <laughs> your host in his place and with us today. And why don't you... As you introduce yourself, uh, tell us what fictional place you would like to be uh, right now instead. Ooh, okay, that's a good one. Uh, I'm Leah Davis, your New England correspondent, and fictionally, I'm in the basement of the boarding school at Wolves of Willoughby Chase right now, shoveling coal, waiting to make my escape. There you go. That sounds like a delightful vacation. Uh, And (laughs) also with us is... Hi there, everyone. Uh, This is Blake Weil, East Coast Curator at Large. And fictionally speaking, uh, I am at some sort of tremendous Roman bacchanalia. I just woke up in the ancient world with all my recording equipment. So it's very lucky that I can be here today. Yeah, you're definitely not going to get the people aren't going to run scared from you with all that technology strapped to you. Uh, I I made a bad choice. Is it too late for me to change? It's, hey, we we are only, I already goofed up the recording once, so we are (laughs) going full speed ahead. Um, On that note, so thank you both for being here. Uh, Before we get into today's topic, I would like to let all the viewers and listeners out there know of some upcoming events that are happening. Uh, I'm going to presume that this episode is going to be dropping on March, Thursday, March 31st. And that evening, we'll be having a community forum, expectations and advisories. This is free in the Discord uh, for anyone who has access and is able to attend. Uh, Most likely in the show notes for this recording, you'll be able to click on and get to the Discord. Or if not, I've just created work for Noah to either cut that out or do it. Uh, additionally, throughout the entire month of April, while we are no longer taking signups for players, we are having our walkabout mini golf VR tour. So if you did sign up, uh, make sure you're communicating with your other players to set times for you to hit the links and have a great time doing some putt, putt golf and VR. And then of course, keep your ears to this program, keep your eyes on the site for when we, if that's a success, hopefully we'll do it again. And we'll take up some more signups in the the near future. And then finally, we're going to be having another round of our No Proscenium Book Club. This time, we'll be reading Planning Your Escape from Ellie Hall. We are once again meeting in the Discord on April 12th. Uh, I'll be co-hosting that with Blake, um, which I'm excited to. Once again, though, I feel like I always come on the show and I'm like, uh, I should start reading that book by now. I have a very long couple of plane trips next week and then a lot of hours by a pool in Florida visiting my grandmother. So this is what books were made for. Especially books about escape rooms. Uh, Nothing says relaxing beach read with grandma, (laughs) like an (laughs) escape room book. You you don't know my grandma. That's true. I'm being very presumptuous. You're right. I thank you for correcting me. Um, So we're talking about uh, a really kind of interesting experience that I'm very excited that you were both available to attend for. So we're going to be talking about Cadences, which is a 
LARP experience for right now. I'll describe it as that, but I'm going to let you both get into it. And this is from Soft Chaos. So would one of you like to jump in and kind of just tell us a little bit about the high-level specifics of this show? Sure, absolutely. Uh, So Cadences, the story of a pair and its distance. No, wait, the story of a distance and its pair. Uh, It's a storytelling game, and it's meant just for two people. Uh, There's a booklet that you get when you begin, and it briefly describes the setup of the gameplay, uh, but otherwise you're pretty much on your own. So the, the way that the game is set up is one player plays the pair. Uh, the other plays the distance. Blake and I took a minute in the beginning to figure out how that actually worked. Um, it's high concept enough. It might, you're lucky you have us <laughs> because <laughs> it took us a good 10 to 15 to figure out that, Leah was actually going to be playing two people, and I was going to be playing one entity. Now, to be fair, we might be idiots, so God bless. If you pick it up and you get that right away, then more power to you. Um, (laughs) But one of the interesting aspects is, unlike um, maybe larger blockbuster LARPs or LARPs where there's a game master, uh, no character was assigned to either of us, just the role. And beyond that, it was largely up to our imaginations. So for me, there are a few prompts in there that talk about, you know, you could be a mother and a child, you can be co-workers, you could be two people in line at the grocery store. Uh, So opening up my brain to figure out who who I might want to embody (laughs) took me a minute. It was a little overwhelming at first. Uh, But Blake and I decided to have our our opening ceremony over voice. Uh, and I found that once I started talking, this story sort of emerged from inside of me and we had our two people. Ours were Kat and Marcus. Uh, okay. And so before we get too far into the specifics, I do want to clarify two things. One for listeners out there, in case you don't know, a LARP is a live action role-playing game. Uh, I don't know why we leave the G off. Uh, when we abbreviate it, but we do. And this is essentially an evolution of role-playing games where, you know, instead of playing Dungeons and Dragons around the table and describing your environments and um, getting into like the logistics that way verbally, you are out in the real world using real world settings, but you are one agreeing with the other players that those are, you know, fictitious locations or they are not what they are. Like, you know, just because you go to your local park doesn't mean it's a local park anymore. It's now an enchanted woods. And that the other part is that instead of just keeping track of everything on a character sheet, you are physically embodying these characters. Like there is no removal. Like you are out there in the local park um, in a costume of your own making sometimes uh, with, you know, uh, what sometimes depending on the LARP, there's weaponry or there's magic and things and stuff like that. So you are physically up and about in the world doing these things. Um, And on that note, because you both are very much experienced LARPers. And I think that before we dive into this topic, I think that's going to play a role, no pun intended, uh, in in how you felt about this. So maybe... um, Leah, would you like to f- start first with some of your LARPing experience, maybe like something of noteworth or like maybe the most challenging LARP you ever did, like in the sense of like the character you embodied or maybe what was asked of you or where you had to go? 
Well, why don't I start with my very first LARP, which was College of Wizardry, uh, affectionately known back in the day as a Harry Potter LARP, uh, which it was not, but it was a school for wizards set in a castle in Poland. So I jumped right in, um, right into the deep end, because this was a highly produced LARP, often known as a blockbuster LARP. It took place over the course of a few days. Uh, there was a narrative that the game runners put together, uh, but all of our characters existed in this universe that we collectively created, and it felt very real. And it was just so easy to get into this mindset that I was my my second year wizarding character, and that I did have all of this uh, turmoil going on in my family that I had to navigate with other players. And it was just so cathartic and so interesting. And I mean, let's face it, fun, because this is ultimately playing make-believe on a large scale as an adult with all of the privilege that comes with being an adult, like money, time, et cetera. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that plays a, I like that, like the sense that like, you know, it's the continuation of play. I think as adults, and most people who are probably listening to the show are like, yeah, no, we keep playing. I play on the regular doing a great many things, but I think that's something that is not celebrated enough. And I think that's a really nice thing you pointed out there. Blake, what about you in regards to your LARPing experience? So LARP was actually my entry point at NoPro. Way, way back in, I want to say it was 2018, I participated in a LARP in lovely Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania called Dragon Thrones, which if College of Wizardry was Harry Potter LARP, this was Game of Thrones LARP, uh, but more as Model UN than as the hitting each other with uh, rubber swords kind of LARP. So I played a horrible, horrible (laughs) diplomat, just the worst at his job, because that was actually his cover for being a very good spy. So I would just show up to other people's war council rooms with a bottle of schnapps and be like, hey, I'm the diplomat. Who wants to party? And they'd just let me in. Uh, It was great. I had a wonderful time. Uh, (laughs) Made a lot of fun fictional enemies and a lot of really great real-life friends, including uh, ARG Net's own Michael Anderson, who ended up introducing me to Catherine Yu, and the rest is history. And... I have always kind of taken my identity as a LARPer, I suppose, as a cornerstone of my persona within immersive theater. If if I'm approaching even a really formal track show like Then She Fell used to be, I am still thinking, well, who am I playing in this world? What energy am I giving back to any show I see in what character or personage I'm presenting. And so it's really nice when I get an opportunity to return to sort of, I guess, pure LARP, if there is such a thing, and bring with it all the thoughts and experience I've gotten from more traditional immersive theater and pour that back into it. So this has really been a pleasure. You know, Blake, yeah, and I think it's like, oops, sorry about that. No, 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 because I was just going to say, like, you know, you that sense, like, you've in many ways, it sounds like for the both of you, because I'm speaking before recording, like, you both have had 
you've run the gamut. You regularly LARP and things like that. So in many ways, this might have been the, for lack of a better word, the most one of the more simpler LARPs you've done in more recent years, especially with the the pandemic in the sense of like the requirements that you just, you just need yourselves. Hmm. Um, so, oh, go ahead. Well, you do need yourselves and you also need the guided audio meditations and do you need almost tarot-esque cards included with the game, but we'll get to that in the real nitty gritty. Uh, but it's funny you say simple. Simple is a very relative term. <laughs> this was the most difficult LARP I have ever done. Oh, really? This was exhausting. So before uh, we before we move on to that, I, I wanted to hit on something you you briefly touched on, Blake, about uh, bringing your experience as a LARPer to immersive, because I think that is so interesting. Uh, what I was hearing and what I experienced myself going from LARP into immersive is what feels like a heightened emotional awareness of the theater that's going on around me. Uh, and I think it has something to do with, with putting aside your insecurities as, as an audience member and trusting that you can be a part of this process. Uh, and I think the immersive theater that I went to before I began LARPing, my experience suffered because I wasn't able to let go. And I had a lot of insecurity about how to behave as a, as an audience member and coming back from LARP where you really have to be in tune with the, emotions and intentions of the people around you just served me so well as an audience member. Um, and I think I enjoyed exploring that in, in this game as well. Well, and I, I think any time a majority of immerse of general immersive experiences do uh, could be considered a LARP or use LARPing elements. Cause anytime you go to an immersive experience and you are asked not to be yourself, you are very technically and very watered down. LARPing in that sense because you are no longer yourself. I put on my my work LARP outfit and (laughs) get out there. (laughs) Right. So like it's it in many ways. Well, I guess in that sense, I just want to put a button on this part of it in the sense that like it's we do this quite regularly across many of the things that immersive theater touches or the adjacent things that like you know just because there are the blockbuster LARPs that are very extreme and things like that, but then we actually a lot i feel like a lot of the immersive theater i've seen and done in person online does have or utilizes a lot of larp elements so mm-hmm. with with that that's it sounded like blake had a very difficult time but what actually happened how did your guys's uh experience unfolds let's get into the, the nitty gritty of what happens so the game is taken in turns uh first uh Leah pitches me uh, what happened between uh, our pair and my role was to be the distance, the almost deity-like entity that exists as a manifestation of their relationship. I am born upon their meeting and I die upon the last time they think about each other. And so every time I received this gameplay move of what happened in their relationship, I had to respond in kind, letting Leah know what happened to me physically, what form I took, how I shifted as this sort of amorphous, almost entirely metaphorical being. 
And to help us along, we both had meditative audio tracks we could listen to between rounds. And we, I had a deck of oracle cards to pick from to give inspiration to potential forms I could take. Although very quickly I had found a groove of sort of shifting into abstract dreamlike landscapes that represent the emotional state between the two. And that was your choice in that sense. Like there was, you know, I'm sure there um, are there like prompts or things like that, or is that Blake instinctively with the prompts of what Leah was giving you with Kat and Marcus, that's where you just instinctually went where the, the yes and type improv thinking. Absolutely. And, you know, once, once I, my initial form of Kat and Marcus's relationship to palaces across a vast desert but with a winding path between them was established it was very easy to start uh, having this landscape shift into even more bizarre scenarios until it was you know a ship on a windswept sea using a crane off the back of it to play a crane game for snow globe like miniature pocket universes bobbing in the ocean as a series of effervescent bubbles. Like it got very abstract, very fast, but I hope at least that it worked. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, so Leah, what was, what, what did Kat and Marcus do to get, there what like to get stuck on the sea in this abstract sense what were some of the things on your side of the narrative that you were doing and how that influenced so the pair is much more concrete and the prompt for the pair was uh talk about the the actual things that happen don't necessarily editorialize on them uh so i didn't know where my story was going i i sort of spitballed this idea that cat impulsively threw a bagel at Mark in a diner two months ago. <laughs> uh, and in my little story, it hit him in the face. Then Mark used Kat as a cover to leave the diner without paying for two muffins. Uh, and it was raining. Neither of them grew up in New York. So this is the story that bubbled into my head. And once I described this opening scenario, um, Blake came back with the first description of of the distance, and we keyed off of each other from there. To be honest, Blank, I didn't feel like what you were giving me changed Marcus and Kat's story much, um, but it did give it flavor. Uh, I'm happy to hear that because it wasn't necessarily my intent. Uh, my prompt as the distance was very much to reflect the emotional reality between these two people that it wasn't necessarily my job to steer the situation, but to personify the story as a whole. Well, this so in that sense, did you guys, it sounds like there was maybe a little of a disconnect. It sounded like you guys were kind of both on your own thing. They were both influencing each other, but you're not, did you feel like you were collaborating? Because right now it doesn't sound like that. It sounds like, you were inspired by maybe at times each other's uh, actions in the story and descriptions you were provided, but you weren't necessarily weaving this together. Is that the case? I, I think that's exactly right. Although I think there would be an interesting, um, it would be an interesting experiment for us to take what we wrote and 
put it into one document and see what the, the output was. I think it could be an interesting and beautiful story. But story is the key word because I never really felt like I was getting the kind of emotional release that I look for in LARP. Um, instead, I felt like I was co-authoring something with somebody in a way that I wouldn't normally write. So, so it was very interesting, but it didn't feel quite as personal as I would have liked. For, forgive me if this comes across as a little bit forward, but it almost felt like a co-parenting to me. Yes. Which was this sort of interesting <laughs> emotional experience. You know, I, I've done some personal fiction writing and there always is this feeling of like, whenever you hit publish, you're sending your baby off into the world. And so this sense of back and forth nurturing two parts of the same story, I think was this deeply empathetic and emotional experience for me, but it was not at all what I was used to in doing a LARP. This, this is advanced LARP. This is meta LARP. Well, I want to put a, a pin on that because I, I'm not sure I would tag it as advanced meta definitely um but i do want to touch on who this might be for in a little bit uh, the co-parenting thing though blake absolutely i cannot tell you how many times i started sitting down to write about this these people's lives thinking i really wanted it to go in one direction but between your prompt and uh, a mechanic within the game uh their lives just weren't going to work out beautifully, happily. <laughs> oh, is, is, the ma- is the mechanic kind of uh, impl- uh, forced tragedy? Well, not necessarily. And no, not at all. I, I was having the equivalent of um, of critical fails, I think, <laughs> a little bit. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, it always comes down to something out of your control in both <laughs> LARPs and RPGs. Well, and parenting. And, <laughs> and parenting fictional characters. Um so the mechanic on the pairs side is there are 15 charts at the end of your booklet. And each chart has 10 mini prompts underneath. And the way that it's meant to work is you have a physical copy of the booklet and you open it up and you stop on one of the charts that seems appealing and you choose a number that seems appealing. So in theory, I could have had a lot more control over what was happening in this story uh, but I made the questionable decision to randomize that completely, um, partially because I didn't have a book in front of me and I had a, uh, I had it on screen instead, and partially because I like chaos. Um, I would roll to randomize, and every single time the prompt was something like a gift given that was not wanted or <laughs> words needed spoken too late. So there was a lot of sort of emotional turmoil going on in this poor little family. Were, were any of the prompts um, like a specific thing? So it sounded like we were very abstract. Were there any like, you know, more uh, identifiable life events or were they all just high level kind of emotional based prompts? They were high level and emotional. And I think that's necessary for how the game is set up because um like I was saying earlier, you could play a mother and a child. You could play, actually, one of the suggestions is um, play a mother with the child still in the womb. Um, so, so this entire game is um, very, very dreamlike. Very, uh, the, the motif is is star and astrology. Um, mm. 
it's it's all quite conceptual, isn't it? It's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's much more concerned with the idea of the relationship than the practicalities. I I was just thinking as you were describing this, my God, the next time I play this, I would love to see the relationship between someone real and someone fictional. You know, we we all have these sort of bizarre parasocial attachments in the modern era. That's just as valid a way to explore it. And kind of the beauty, I think, and if I'm overstepping as the distance, forgive me, I think that the pair really is empowered by the vagueness of the prompts, that they can apply to any relationship. Mm. No, I, I think that's correct. Hey, you want to do a meta-meta version where it's me and one of the characters? Oh God, that sounds horrible. No, <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna fall down a rabbit hole and we'll never ever hear from you again. And Leo Leah. is never heard uh, from again. Never ever. We um, can do an infinitely recursive version where we're doing it about two people playing cadences. Mm, 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 mm-hmm. Everyone's he- everyone's head explodes. Um, really quick, then practically, um, additionally. Is there a set number of rounds, for lack of a better word? Like, um, do you, are you both going back and forth between having doing five prompts, like passing back and forth for like a total of like 10 rounds? Or how did the actual nitty gritty practicality of cueing the other person work? There is an opening and a closing ceremony. And uh-huh. before the game begins, well, there is the very well-structured and explained safety and consent dialogue between the two players. Uh, The booklet does a great job of setting that up. You also negotiate, well, how many rounds do you want to play? Do you want to just play until we get sick of it? Do we want to go for three? Do we want to go for seven? We picked a seven-game round, figuring that would take us about a week. We were woefully ambitious, considering... (laughs) how how weirdly emotionally taxing this task became so one week turned into about two and a half okay um and that that was caused by the story you were telling not because of mechanics or anything i want to clarify that it's unclear it's unclear Um, oh interesting yeah so you have a lot of choices in this game and one of the choices is how you your timeline and how you choose to communicate. Uh, One suggestion is you write physical postcards and you only include the information that can be included on the back of a postcard. Uh, Another is voicemail or doing it in person. So we chose to write emails and we'd originally said, don't spend more than half an hour um, writing. And we were going to do it daily over the course of a week. Uh, But Blake's right. It was emotionally taxing. I don't think just because of the story. Uh, Personally, I struggled a lot going in and out of real life and the needs of being human in 2022 uh, Uh and then stepping aside to get into the mindset of, of these two characters um, and writing for them. There is an audio component to this game that I think would have helped with that. um, But I found it a little bit too clunky to use regularly. So in theory, you are asked to take a 15 minute meditative walk. There are some audio prompts that help you think through what happened before sitting down to write. Uh, And I think I would have liked that quite a bit, but it was just not something I was able to make myself do on my own in the middle of my workday. Okay. So it it could be a helpful mechanic, but unfortunately 
you just couldn't find the room. I, I know, Blake, in your review, you talked about and you mentioned earlier the prompt of um, the the distance has some prompts, correct? That you seem to have a little issue with as well, yeah? Well, I feel like it's not to be too harsh, but I feel like where the mechanical prompts of, you know, story suggestions worked for the pair for the distance they didn't work quite as well uh i had a deck of uh inspirational cards uh think gorgeously illustrated tarot-esque cards of various constellation shapes in the sky and you know if i was struggling to come up with a form to take i could i could draw that for a starting point and while while I can definitely see that helping someone who's just absolutely stuck and just needs to start writing. And I'd be interested to play a game where I did always obey that. Uh, these were explained to me as being completely optional. And I found that because the nature of the distance was so ephemeral and strange, it felt very odd to have these very literal cards and, you know, pick one and be like, oh, a whale! I'm a whale now. Time to try to force a whale into the metaphor. It it just didn't feel like it matched the intent. Sure. It, is there a possibility though that maybe so with on that card, let's use the whale as an example. Is that literally all that's on that card, or is there maybe a scene in the background? Is there there you is know? there is no background. Interesting. Uh, all so, of them are constellations in the sky. It's the main motif of the game, illustrated in you know dark hues from blue to purple with pinpoints of gold traced with lines between them. So it will be a whale in the stars. And it's very clearly a whale, and it's always going to be stars. Yeah, because I, I um, a, maybe over a year ago, I did Tales by Candlelight uh, Session Zero, and they have a lot of these uh, these cards. They have similar prompt cards, but it's it's phrases, it's words, it's things like that. Um, but they are, and I've done other things with visual cues as well, and I find it's such a tricky thing to pull off because you, you don't want like a a prompt card to overwhelm, but I feel like you need more than typically just one thing on it, or it really needs to be an open-ended idea in that sense. For those board game fans at home, uh, you know, if you have a copy of Mysterium, I almost wonder if you can do it with that, that something where there is a level of abstraction where you can choose what to fixate on. And there's, there's details, there's colors, there's different type of colors in some of these cards and things like that. Like using the whale example, like in this, this game, this in, there's no talking in this game. I'm going to try not to dive into it. I love this game, but basically you could get a card that has a whale on it, but the whale could be floating in the sky where there's a house uh, being carried by balloons while someone is raking the clouds and he's dressed in a business suit and the whole thing is in like a like a, you know like a more lighter tone colors of like orange and um yellow and things and stuff like that so there's a lot of different things you could focus in on it and i feel like that's that's what i was saying with prompt cards i feel like they need to if if give me anything like a prompt card hopefully it's like okay i'm not feeling the whale 
but I'm seeing this house in the sky adrift. And that causes me to think of this to then write this prompt to send the email, you know? You know, I think though that Soft Chaos Cooperative made things so ambiguous on purpose. Uh, and I think all the mechanics were really beautiful and interesting. I'm just not sure all of them suited the game the way that Blake and I played it. Mm, right. And so I guess that's a great little moment to transition to, as we put a pin in it earlier, who do we think this game is for? Um, it seems like you guys were of a little bit of two minds about it. Um, Leah, who do you think this game's for? Who, like, who would you, if you were going to gift it to someone, would it be someone who's never done a LARP? Would it be someone who maybe has done some immersive theater and is ready to do LARP? Or is this only for people who've done blockbuster LARPs, right? You know, I, I think that this shouldn't even be called a LARP. And I don't mean that in a, a mean-spirited way. I just think thinking about it as a storytelling game is more helpful for, I think, describing who this is for. I would give this to... Uh, any creative writing major, uh, any sort of dreamy teenager, anybody who is looking, who, who enjoyed creative writing and might be looking to like tap into something a little more emotional, a little less controlled. Um, Maybe people who play Dungeons and Dragons, but want something that is not so mechanic focused. Maybe that's something more story focused. Yeah, right? I think I think that would be a good place to go. I would also consider giving it to LARPers who were looking for something a little more structured and a little um, more academic than um, being emotionally down in the weeds with their characters' wants and needs. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't think thoughts? you need to be... Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Long-winded, here I go. I just, I don't think you need to be advanced, especially. Um, I do think you need to be able to let go, to, to trust that the game is going to work and to let go and follow those directions. So... Okay. Well, I definitely agree with you. I was definitely thinking of this more from the LARPer perspective than the general creative enthusiast perspective. I definitely think it works for the players you described, but I also want to add that I do think it works for, I guess what I'd call advanced LARPers, or more specifically, the Golden Cobra crowd. For those of you who don't know, the Golden Cobra is annual indie LARP awards for design documents on rule sets for new imaginative forms of live action role play. And these can vary from thought provokingly goofy, like one I played once in which everyone plays a fish in a tank uh, swimming in someone's backyard pool. And one by one, you are removed and just hear the screams of the removed players <laughs> who then proceed to the hot tub or sauna near the pool to the very specific and direct. There's um, a famous one called, uh, I think it's called Bus to Busan or Road to Busan, not Train to Busan. That's a zombie movie uh, <laughs> in which you play as a K-pop band dealing with behind the scenes drama as you attempt to get to the next stop on your concert tour. So for people who like that level of kind of conceptual non-blockbuster LARP play, then I think this is perfect. Along with people who are not into LARP at 
all, but are super into writing and storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think maybe to begin to bring this conversation to a close, it sounds like there's a really, from both of you, there's an important emphasis on being able to have some empathy in what you're doing um, in regards to like the different emotions that are required for both telling and experiencing a story, whether, you know, that's in the theater or that's a LARP or that's maybe an escape room. That is more than just, you've been locked in a room. Um, Would you agree with that? Either of you? Or was that idea too half baked? (laughs) No, no, no. I think you're exactly right. I think yes. Empathy is involved. I'm trying to think how that applies to my experience. Uh, I had to stretch myself a bit because uh, I wasn't planning this at all, but it uh, turns out Marcus was uh, an Egyptian character in my in my story. And you know, what does that look like? And what does his mother look like? And how does he think about these things? Um, and frankly, I've never put myself outside of the writing mindset of a uh, white AFAB person you know occasionally I'll write male characters but I just don't feel like it's (laughs) this is embarrassing to say on a on a podcast I I'm very tentative about trying to imagine what it might be like to be in somebody else's shoes because those aren't my stories to tell Uh um so I found that this was a strangely safe place for me to try to put myself in somebody else's brain as much as I could and do something that felt like I wasn't just playing a different version of myself. Um, so yeah, in that, in that regard, it took a lot of empathy and a lot of um, a lot of thought and research um, for me to feel these characters and play this game. Trust me, it, it took as much research from my end and a little <laughs> bit of Google Translate. Um, Sorry. <laughs> no worries. It only enriched my experience. Good. Again, I think that... It's a really interesting conceptual game in that it allows you to have empathy both for the specificity of every human relationship in that any relationship is going to be completely unique, but also because both players take this very broad perspective, no one is directly embodying a person, you're sort of forced to reconcile the commonality of human experience. And I think that process is really one of the intriguing ideas at the heart of this. Mm, I agree. Hey, so you want to try it again sometime? Uh, We'll do a speed run entirely in person without having to take breaks. Absolutely. Uh, I will bring some coffee and a bagel to throw at your head. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) And and then play the game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just another normal Tuesday night. Yeah, just the normal you and you and the, you both getting together and just uh, chucking bagel bagels all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on that note, I want to make sure everyone is aware that so uh, while this, I believe, if you go to um, on everything immersive, uh, if you look up cadences, it'll take you to their Indiegogo page where I believe you can order physical copies of this still, but at the very least uh, on uh, itch.io. Is that how you pronounce it? Or 
that's how I pronounce it at the very least. Well, that's two of us. So there's a quorum uh, for the internet to, to anyways, I'm not going to go there. Uh, it is available for, as a digital download, uh, $15. It gives you everything you need, everything that Blake and Leah had used to create their own experience uh, and along with the, um, the prompts and the other uh, aids and things and stuff like that. So uh, give it a try. Uh, if you're in our discord community, if you, and you have your role-playing group or other LARPers, let us know how your experience with maybe tell us what your story was like. I think that would be very interesting to learn uh, in that sense. I'm, I'm basically long story short, I'm probably going to buy this and then at the very least see if I can corral someone and just see what stories I can create too, you know? Well, I am looking forward to your war stories. Uh, I'd like to post our story maybe in Discord or something. Could we do that? I'm comfortable with it. Sure. Cool. Great. Yeah, we could. Uh, I, yeah, I think it's if you guys get put it in a Google Doc, I see no reason why to do that. Uh, maybe if you're listening by the once again, Noah in the show notes, another thing for you to do with all your free time. Uh, let's make that happen. <laughs> um, so. Leah, Blake, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's always a pleasure talking with you both. Thanks, Patrick. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, always a pleasure. And uh, I want to take a second to thank uh, you, the listener, uh, for taking the time to listen. Uh, as always, as we close out, no proscenium is a labor of love. Everyone on staff uh, who you heard on this podcast and every review you read on the site are all volunteers. Uh, you can support this work by donating donating to no the No Proscenium Patreon. Um, as little as two or five dollars a month goes a very long way to helping to keep the lights on here. Uh, if and and if you can't, you know, if and, and you're enjoying Review Crew or you're desperate for Kevin to come back and be the host rather than hear me babble through this stuff. Um, you can support us by leaving a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. It would really make all the difference and help us become more visible in the waking nightmare that is known as the modern internet. <laughs> and on that note, that lovely cheerful note, uh, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>